Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting. I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with, uh, currently not stuck in anything, Marissa Riley. Hi. Um, <laughs> not necessarily true. I am stuck in a society affected by a pandemic. I am <laughs> stuck in uh, these sweatpants, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> Other than that, okay. I'm not really stuck in anything. Just those two things. Just a pandemic and sweatpants. Yes. Okay. And I, th- I think a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah. I have my ups and downs to those things. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we're all kind of stuck in that position. I am curious about other places to or get, things <laughs> to get, to get stuck, stuck in. <laughs> yeah. Usually this podcast focuses on things getting stuck inside people. But today, we're going to talk about people getting stuck inside things. Yeah. Okay. Should we begin episode 031? We should. Okay. Uh, We're going to begin today with a very recent story. Uh, I'm going to read directly from the BBC article because the quotes and the event itself, it's just so perfectly captured. I can't wait. (laughs) From the 2019 BBC article... Kenya flight stowaway body found in Clapham Garden. Oh, my God. (laughs) Quote, a suspected stowaway who is believed to have fallen from the landing gear of a flight into Heathrow Airport has just been found dead in a London garden. No! (laughs) The body, believed to be that of a man, was found in Offerton Road, Clapham, just before 1540 on Sunday. Police said it was thought the individual fell from a Kenya Airways flight from Nairobi. A neighbor said the body fell a meter away from a resident who had been sunbathing in the garden. Shit! (laughs) The man, who did not want to be named, said he heard a womp. So he looked out of the upstairs window and saw the body and blood all over the walls. Oh my god. So I went outside, and it was just then the neighbor came out, and he was very shaken, he said. If it had been two seconds later, he would have landed on the common where there were hundreds of people. My kids were in the garden 15 minutes before he fell, the neighbor added. I spoke to Heathrow. They said this happens once every five years. That's so specific. <laughs> yes, it is. And often. This is terrible. Describing the victim, he said, one of the reasons his body was so intact was because his body was an ice block. End quote. End scene. Wow. We have so much to unpack. Yes, we um, do. Uh... Yeah. Um, so that was somebody's day. I, there's just so much to... I, obviously, you're going to go into detail about why and how they were in the plane and mm-hmm. how they fell out. But I, I'm just trying to imagine, like, enjoying a nice day outside. And then... Yeah, it's like the first day of spring. You're like, I want to I wanna sit outside, get some sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nipple day. Um, see our last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, and then uh, next thing you know, a mm-hmm. body yes. falls from the sky. A frozen body. A frozen, a, <laughs> a mansicle. There you go. I hate myself. <laughs> falls from the sky and is uh, right next to you. Yeah, that was uh, someone's day. Um, <laughs> so episode 031, oh, the things you can, you can get stuck in. Uh, so we're going to start today with, uh, what if you find yourself, for whatever reason, as a stowaway inside the wheel well of an airplane? What would happen to you, and can you survive at all? Hmm. <laughs> I, my, okay, I think, it, no. That's, <laughs> I think 
the yeah, answer is no. That's a great answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Final answer. There is a chance of survival. Uh, that's the good news. But the bad news is that chance is pretty slim. And the trauma to your body is 100% torturous. 100% torturous. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's start with the odds. Um, odds of making it out alive are one in four, oh. which sounds good, but it's really not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> between 1947 and 2015, the United States Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, recorded 113 official attempts of a wheel well stowaway. Oh, my God. Yeah, of this number, only 27 survived. Now, Vice.com suggests these official numbers may not be too accurate as, quote, some successful stowaway flights may be unknown, and many other people have probably fallen into the ocean or into a remote land area never to be seen or heard from again, end quote. So you're probably wondering why all these people just fall out, and uh, let's put a pin in that. (laughs) Yes, I am wondering that. Also, I am wondering... If the number of people who who lived is just how much higher is it? Mm. And I wonder if there's like a secret handbook as to like how to survive this and there, how to not get caught. And what if like thousands of people are traveling this way and we just got some weird numbers? That's, you know, there actually is a guide and this is what we're going to base our episode on. So I'm really glad oh, you brought that up. Oh my God, I was yes. going to say... Yeah. If it's a good guide. <laughs> it's guide and it's a free online. So It's a free online. <laughs> so, wow. It's so, it's so bad. It's terrible. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the air. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay. So as your plane gains altitude from 10,000 to 40,000 feet, the temperature in the wheel well dips from about 23 degrees Fahrenheit down to negative 85. Oh, pass. No thanks. <laughs> I, I, I reject the guide. <laughs> So, but if you're lucky, quote, friction heat generated within the tire during takeoff can radiate to the stowaway. Also, due to the warm hydraulic fluid in the lines within the wheel well compartment, some additional radiant and conductive heat is present in the stowaway area, end quote. And this is from the 1996 study, this guide. Uh, It's called Survival at High Altitudes Wheel Well Passengers. Uh, Just Google it. It's free. And it's very short. It's like four pages, surprisingly. Only four pages yeah. to teach you how to stow away <laughs> in a wheel well? I think it should be at least... A little bit longer. It should be 40 minimum. Yeah. Four, four, <laughs> I thought you were going to say read at a book least five this. or six pages. <laughs> <laughs> so um, even with a little bit of friction heat and radiant heat, you're still going to experience an environment well below zero which will make your body temperature drop Mm -hmm. and drop so quickly, parts of you may literally freeze. And yes, you will most likely die from hypothermia. Or if you're lucky, you may actually end up in a hibernation-like state. Um, Would you like to do the honor of reading from the 1996 study, which describes the descent into hypothermia and this possible state? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Quote, When mild hypothermia sets in, the individual begins to shiver as the body attempts to maximize surface heat production. As hypothermia enters a moderate stage, where a person's core temperature decreases from 96 to 93 degrees Fahrenheit, violent shivers begin, and conditions similar to hypoxia, such as slurred speech and irrational behavior occur. When an individual in a state of severe hypothermia, 
uh, oh, sorry, when an individual is in a severe uh, state of hypothermia, shivering occurs in violent waves. This action eventually ceases because shivering is not sufficient to counteract the temperature drop of the body's core after it falls between 92 and 86 degrees Fahrenheit. When shivering ceases, the battle to maintain the proper internal temperature has been lost and the stowaway will need medical assistance to recover. Muscle rigidity develops, pupils dilate, and pulse rate uh, and the pulse rate decreases. Body temperature can fall to levels of 81 degrees Fahrenheit or lower. As the body curls into a fetal position to conserve heat, the heart rate may be as low as two beats per minute and breathing rate as low as once per 30 seconds. End quote. Yeah. That's a lot going on. There's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. <laughs> and, uh, Here's the good news. Um, okay. <laughs> you're probably not even conscious while this all happens. Great. So you're not awake because it's incredibly difficult to acclimate fast enough to the loss of oxygen. At 35,000 feet, oxygen is about a quarter of what we're used to breathing in. So odds are you pass out, freeze to death, and when the wheel well opens for landing, you fall out. So there's just so many things working against you here. Yes. There's... <laughs> First of all, you're everything. frozen. Oh, first of all, it's everything. Okay, <laughs> podcast over. No, it's okay. You're freezing to the point where shivering doesn't help anymore, mm-hmm. and you're reaching hypothermia in a way that sounds very scary. Yeah. Uh, you're and you can't breathe. Right. <laughs> and you're gonna fall. That's right. Very far. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All bad things. Not. Not a lot of. Yeah, no, no uh, light at the end of the tunnel, really. No. Um, yeah. It's, no. So, but there is a rare chance when you pass out, you may regain semi-consciousness. Okay. There is a chance. Okay. And there is the rare chance the extreme low temperatures won't kill you. Mm-hmm. Now, in fact, if you don't die from hypothermia, the slow pulse and breathing rate means your body and brain barely has to work, which means they don't need as much oxygen. And this puts you in a hibernation-like state. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, you may not even end up with severe brain, brain damage, so that's great. Even uh, that's, though, that's nice. Even though I'm stuttering, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, all you have to do now, my friends, is just lay there, nearly frozen and barely conscious, and wait for the last hurdle, the descent. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So, if you thought going up was hard... In an unpressurized wheel well, coming down is a whole other can of hurt. No. (laughs) A quick descent in altitude means a quick change in pressure, and you may face decompression sickness. Well, that sounds horrible. Yeah, that's kind of what you see when uh, deep sea divers come to the surface too quickly. Ah. Yeah. Best case scenario, the gases in your body cavities suddenly expand, causing severe physical pain. Worst case... Nitrogen in your blood may form bubbles, and if one of them goes to your brain or heart, that can cause a stroke or heart attack. Yeah, I've heard about the bubbles thing. Yeah. It's from thing. movies. That the movies are true. I don't know if you've seen a movie, <laughs> but I have, and it's bad. They're in there. And yes. Those bubbles are in there. No, that's this is horrifying. The, the, like the list of bad things that can happen to mm-hmm. you. It's just a little too long for me to do this. Um, yes. Many would agree. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to pass on, on this method of uh, transportation. So 
If you survive the sickness portion of our flight, you're rewarded with gradual rewarming and reoxygenation. Uh, you may feel compelled to move, but don't, and this is key. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So I'd like to show you a photo from the 1996 study. Uh, it shows where stowaways can, like, stow away near the landing gear. And where? what do you see right here? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Okay. What I see, you, and you might have to help me with this, what sure. I see is that uh, some... It's a very close-up to a part of the aircraft, which I'm not really sure about. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's underneath the aircraft. So it's one of the uh, it's one of the wheels. It's one of the landing gears. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm seeing the hole where one of the wheels comes out. Yeah. Question mark. Yep. And inside there is this sort of little, like a loft, like a shelf. Yeah. Where you can, where there's a guy in this yeah. picture. Some big glasses, and and he's he's like chilling there. Yeah, he's rocking his eighties glasses, even though it's ninety six. Um, Dude, get with it. Yeah. So there is a little shelf like space where a small person can fit once um, out of the way from away from the wheel, and we'll put this photo on our Instagram. Yes. At, well, that's interesting, Pod. So you could also struggle to understand why someone would do this. Yeah, definitely um, don't look at it if you are claustrophobic. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not very claustrophobic, but my am I feeling it? Yes. Yes. So as the plane descends and approaches for landing, the last thing you want to do is roll onto the wheel for obvious reasons. So to survive a lot of things out of your control have to fall in your favor. Hopefully you're as lucky as our most recent survivor just this past month. Yeah. On February 4th. A 16-year-old Kenyan boy hid in the wheel well of an airplane on its way from London to an airport in the Netherlands, and he's expected to make a full recovery. What? Yes, despite having suffered that hypothermia, but it was during a short flight. It was just over an hour. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so cheers to him for choosing a short flight, because that's a smart move and one thing you can control. So, well done that young man right there well done young man he's also young and right his body will recover a lot better than like us us. (laughs) (laughs) a lot better than a couple women who have been drinking for you know over a decade so Uh, so. Uh, after the break we're gonna get stuck in an elevator let's do it and we've got some real life experiences coming up and you don't want to miss it oh shit stay tuned do it hi it's Brittany. And Windsor. And we want you to listen to Thanks, I Hate It. We're a social commentary podcast where two moms talk about anything and everything, throw shade at unsuspecting targets, and drink from the bottom shelf while not taking ourselves too seriously. We're a podcast that wants you to know the facts and to get a few laughs along the way. So if you think love is love, Black Lives Matter, and that Rachel was the most annoying character on Glee, then hit the subscribe button to have chaos and foolishness dropped into your feed every Tuesday. Thanks I Hate It is not a cure for seasonal depression, financial woes, or erectile dysfunction. If you hear podcasts that last over four hours, please consult Thanks I Hate It because we hate it too. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. Uh, we're relatively safe. We're pretty safe. We're, we're safe right here. <laughs> Compared to anyone who's... <laughs> Flying in a wheel well. That's right. We're so safe and warm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're going to take a little trip back in time all the way to October 1999. Oh. Now, we're at the McGraw-Hill Building in New York City, a building located in midtown Manhattan. And if you're not familiar, the McGraw-Hill 
building is home to many publishing businesses. Yes. Okay. And at the time, Nicholas White was working as a production manager at Business Week, a newsstand magazine, and as such, facing some strict deadlines. He was working late that Friday, October 15th, when he decided to reward himself with a cigarette break around 11 p.m. Hell yeah. So after his last drag, he got into the express elevator that would take him to his offices on the 43rd floor. Now, from here, I'm going to read from our source, the 1999 New York York Times article. (laughs) (laughs) It's called, The Big City, Aftermath of 40 Hours in an Elevator. No! (laughs) No! Quote, The elevator stopped between the 13th and 14th floors, apparently because of a dip in power that lasted a fraction of a second. Ordinarily, an elevator starts back up when the power comes back on, but Mr. White's elevator just sat there. No. He pushed the alarm button, which rang a bell on the elevator that was apparently not heard by anyone. (laughs) Oh, man. Perhaps because the express shaft is sealed all the way from the ground to the first stop on the 39th floor. Oh, they used to do this at an old building I had, where yeah. you would just, certain elevators would just skip. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the button was also supposed to activate an intercom being monitored uh, by workers at Rockefeller Center, but the workers didn't notice it. Of course they didn't. End quote. Uh, Mr. White's 40-hour ordeal was recorded on a surveillance <gasps> camera, but once again, no one was watching because simply no one was there. By now, it was the weekend. No. <laughs> Just three years prior, the McGraw-Hill building ended its contract with the Otis Elevator Company, who maintained electronic devices in the elevator that, quote, instantly sends a signal by a dedicated phone line to dispatchers working 24 hours a day in Connecticut. They can immediately talk to the person in the elevator and send out a mechanic even if no one in the building realizes there's a problem. Oh, my God. End quote. So that device wasn't working. You guys, <laughs> you have to have at least one device, one method yeah. in the elevator that works. That at works. least one thing that works in the elevator. That would be helpful. Yes. Yeah. Now, according to an interview with Good Morning America, Mr. White had no watch, no cell phone, no food or water except some Rolades in his pocket. Oh my God. <laughs> Would you like to read for us a bit of his experience and the rescue from this GMA interview? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, quote, cold yet sweating, uh, white laid on the floor trying to stay calm. Then he got up and started pacing. At one point, he pried open the elevator doors and screamed for help. The only response was silence. I had no idea if it was day or night. White said. He rang the emergency bell, but he couldn't take the constant noise, so he occasionally turned it off. On Sunday at 4 p.m., White, who was nearly delirious from thirst, heard a voice on the intercom asking if anyone was there. Finally, he was rescued. When he went back to work... Capitalism. <laughs> oh, jeez. When he went back to work, White found out his coworkers, who were there, who were also there late, thought he skipped out and left for the night. A person left me a note about all the problems that occurred while I was playing hooky from the job. White said, yes. "Oh my god!" End quote. Sorry. End quote. Yeah. What a dick. What a total dick move. What a dick they move. Left a note that's on his- that's so passive aggressive. That's so cunty. 
This yeah. poor guy was <laughs> cold sweating in an elevator. For 40 hours. For 40 hours. Oh, my God. Here's the thing. They could have removed that note. You know, once they found out he was stuck in an elevator, don't leave the note on the I desk. I would have done anything <laughs> in in the world to get that note removed. I would have called someone. I would have called my friend Trish at work. I mean, like, Trish. <laughs> Do me a solid. Do me a salad. Shred the note. Get the note off the desk. I don't care. Eat it. I don't care what you do with it. Make it burn it. Make it go away before Mr. White gets here. (laughs) Jesus. All right. Well, let's let's talk about getting stuck in elevators. Let's do it. Well, uh, elevators have a pretty good ventilation system, so you don't have to worry about oxygen levels at all. Right. Your number one problem is dehydration. Uh, Mr. White lost about two cups of water each day just from sitting around, breathing, and sweating. Um, Now, he made the right move of not drinking his own pee. Rather, he cracked open the elevator doors and peed over the side, mostly to try and get someone's attention. Amazing. (laughs) Um, If you're tempted to drink piss, try to remember there's enough potassium in it to send your kidneys into overdrive and into kidney failure. Got it. There's also some sodium in there, too, which could speed up that whole dehydration thing. Yes. Now... How long you can survive without water uh, really depends on your situation and your environment. Some sources said five or six days. Uh, a study in the Archive for Criminology, mm-hmm. very Austrian, very Austrian, stated somewhere between eight and twenty-one days, depending on energy output. Uh, landing somewhere in the middle, though, lies another source, and then you're dead, which is a great book. Uh, it states, "quote." As you lose more and more water through sweating, peeing, and exhalation, your blood becomes thicker and thicker, oozing through your veins until your heart can no longer pump. Meanwhile, your kidneys are being poisoned from the blood that's too concentrated. Conclusion, if you get stuck in an elevator, you have about two weeks before you die of kidney failure. Wow. It's so interesting that that's going to get you first. Yeah, it may. Uh, It really depends, again, on how... How your cards fall. Yeah. But that does give you a lot of time to be found, hopefully. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be honest. I did not know how to end this pretty grim episode. So So I decided to Google stupid places people got stuck inside of. And the internet doesn't disappoint. So let's end on a happy note. Let's do it. So Australia police free naked man stuck inside washing machine. I love this. <laughs> Let's return to the BBC for this piece of delightful news, which took place in 2014. Oh, such a simple time. Yeah. So, quote, police in Australia have rescued a naked man who got stuck inside a washing machine while playing a game of hide and seek. What? Question mark? What? The man reportedly hid inside the top loading machine so he could surprise his partner. Oh, my God. But he became stuck, and it took 20 minutes for rescuers to dislodge him using olive oil as a lubricant. Oh, my God. Hold on, it gets better. Um, Firefighters, paramedics, and search and rescue squad were also called to help with the situation. Sergeant Michel de Arrigo, I think, said, quote, It was just a game gone wrong, and it would be fair to say the gentleman was very embarrassed. Yeah. End quote. Um... Should we hear from him? What do you say? We read from the ABC News interview with the man in question. I would love nothing more. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. Okay, quote. Uh, 
I really just wanted another beer, he told radio <laughs> station Star FM when asked what he went through or what went through his mind when he realized he was stuck. I thought, oh, I can easily fit in there because it's quite a large washing machine. But yeah, the way that I sat with the legs crossed, I just couldn't move them to get back out. He said, <laughs> it was a bit like birthing. <laughs> I was quite disappointed they used my good olive oil, end quote. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, I... A little bit like a birthing. A little bit like a birthing. <laughs> I don't know why I feel like this exact situation could and maybe will happen to me someday. <laughs> well, I'll make sure there's plenty of beer around for you. <laughs> Thanks. The only The only thing that doesn't add up and... In my case, is <laughs> there are no washing machines in our building. <laughs> so we'll have to go to a place. So we would have to go to a yeah, place. Yeah, so there'll be an extra layer of... Uh... <laughs> of effort. <Yes. laughs> uh, the man's name was Lawrence, and he's just fine, except his friends will probably never live this down. Nope. That's right. The <laughs> end. The end. The I, end. I'm <laughs> The end of episode 031. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, rating, subscribing, just being awesome. You guys are the best. And please, stay interesting. Please do.